Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The 30 trillion cells of the human body are organized into complex units called tissues. And tissues are groups of similar cells and something called extracellular material that function in a very common way. Now, there are four major tissue types and the way that we can remember them, Matt, is through the mnemonic CONMEN. 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 Okay. Connective tissue. Yeah. Muscular tissue. Right. Epithelial tissue and nervous tissue. Is that good? Sure. Cool. How are you, Matty? Uh, I'm not too bad. Um, welcome back. It's 2019. Um, January. Of, just. Yeah, just. Well, 30, 31st of January. Yeah, we're moving into February, so sorry that this episode has come out a little bit late. Uh, this episode is on the tissues of the body. Michael's been in Europe. I haven't. Yes, I took an 18-month-old baby, my own, actually, to... <laughs> that was yours. Not <laughs> off the plane. To Europe. <laughs> um, the mother wasn't impressed, but um, it was a wonderful time. And I got to have a look at Parts the, of the stunning history of Europe. And now it's time to talk about the human body. I'm, I missed it. I missed the body. The human body? Yeah. Hmm. And uh, I think we should start with tissues. Tissues, uh, summarizing, like I said, connective, muscular, epithelial, and nervous. We've basically done an episode on muscular, with, or and two nervous. episodes on muscular, multiple episodes on nervous. We'll do epithelial, its own tissue. And this is probably the only episode we'll do connective on. Yes. Um, no, I don't. I don't think we we really need to do one on epithelial. Do Do you think? Oh, probably not after today. No. So today we'll primarily focus on looking at the connective and epithelial. Uh, but again, we're just going to talk to you about what primarily needs to be known. We won't go through too many superfluous things, like normal. <laughs> yeah, like normal. Okay, like I said, thirty thousand cells of the body organized into complex units called tissues, four major types. We've spoken about those very briefly. And all of the tissues are made up of cells and something called extracellular. How many cell types are you in the, in your body, Michael? Uh, uh, ooh, uh, specific or... You, you. Me? No, actually, oh, just, three, just, three just humans. Um, hundreds? Maybe 200? 200, well done. Really? Yeah. God, I'm good at my job. 200 cell types. And these cell types would fit within these four yeah, so, tissue types. Um, as we know, like, if we go back to when uh, cellular life began, yep. uh, many, many years ago. A thousand years ago. <laughs> so, uh, 3.7 uh, billion years ago on the planet Earth. Is that how long? Yes. Cellular life? That's how long cellular life has okay. been. all right. Yep. We'll go with that number. Yep. Now, uh, they probably existed as single cells, mm-hmm. um, but then natural selection has kind of pushed um, to probably multicellular dominance Mm -hmm. because it's more effective to survive against the environment and probably also can 
regulate itself much more effectively, uh, right, than a single cell trying to do it itself. Yes. But or, interestingly, we were single cells for billions of years. We've only really been multicellular organisms for less than a billion years. Okay. Anyway, just so, go, just go with this. Yep. Um, and so these multicellular uh, organisms are, are probably better at responding to the environment than a single cell would, right? Because there's more redundancy in the system. Well, there's more. Your other cells can do specific functions. Gotcha. Okay. So whereas it's like division of labor. Yes. Whereas if you're a single cell, you've got to do everything within your own little. And if something isn't good for that single cell. It's not good for the whole organism because you are the single cell. Exactly. But here, like, we've got some redundancy. Some cells can die off without the whole organism necessarily kicking the bucket. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, out of the 200-odd cell types, which is part of the, what did you call it, 37 trillion? About 30 trillion. So, the 30 cells. trillion is broken into 200 d- distinct types thereabouts. Now, within our body, some cells are freely floating and move around, yeah. but the majority of them will aggregate into distinct clusters. Yes. And now, based... And are glued together by that extracellular matrix. Okay. Now, based on these aggregates, um, we can now classify these cellular aggregates, which is what we call tissue. Gotcha. And these tissues... Okay, can be further categorized based on structure, function, and their molecular properties. And that's histology. Yeah, and that will give you the four major tissue types, which you've already said are epithelial, mm-hmm. connective, muscle, and nervous. And what happens when you have um, these multiple tissues working together? Well, that then gives you into an organ, okay. organs, and then organ systems, and then... Multiple systems, eleven systems put together, gives you at the organism level. Perfect. So this is this is just one aspect of the hierarchy of com- like complexity of life. Yep. Okay. Okay. All right. So should we jump into the first one we want to talk about, which is going to be epithelial? Yes. So do you want to lead the way for epithelial? So epithelia is singular. Yeah. And epithelium is plural. Is that correct? Uh, yes. All right. Now, so oh, the, is it the other way around. No, I think that's it. Okay. Now, so epithelial tissue, mm. okay, is basically considered um, cells on, with layers. Okay. Okay, and they generally, if you want to, you know, make it very simplified, um, uh, line things. They line cavities and they line surfaces. There's also a small distinction is they can also be. Um, Glands, but I guess that you could argue that's still lining, but it's lining yeah. a kind of a mm. duct. Do you know what epithelia means? Upon something. Nipple. Upon nipple. Yeah. Because epi means upon. Yes. So, yeah. I remember that, but I never understood why. Never understood why either. Okay. I'm sure someone could tell us. <laughs> so, you're saying that. So, epithelial tissue, its function is it covers the body and organ surfaces. It lines body cavities and organ cavities and can form some glands. Yes. So, it's probably its primary, I shouldn't say primary function, but where it's mostly located is as a lining, as a selective barrier. So, okay. like your skin's a good example of epithelial tissue. The outer part of your body, okay, it's a selective barrier to let some things in, but not much, yep. protect your inner self. Okay. Okay. And predominantly, the epithelia, they're tightly packed cells with not too much extracellular matrix. Yeah, so they haven't got really much at all intracellular material. So, is it? would you say that if we we're trying to make a comparison that it, it's probably best compared to uh, the, the bricks and mortar of a house? When you look at a house... You predominantly see bricks, and those bricks are held together mm-hmm. by mortar, but you don't see too much of that. It's sure. very okay. minimal. Okay. But the bricks are the main barrier being the cells. Okay. Good, good analogy. Okay. Now, now sometimes we'll go in with this analogy. Right. Sometimes so you, a very good analogy. <laughs> you can have a house that is brick veneered. So, mm. that's how many, how many brick thickness is it? Of course, that's two. Is it? I don't know. No, I made that single, up. single layer. Okay. Okay. And so, it's like epithelium. Yeah. Okay. So you can have a single layer of a barrier, mm-hmm. and that's called unilamular lamina. Lamina. Lamina means plate. Yeah. Unilamina, or it could be simple. 
Sometimes yeah. it's called simple, like yourself. Now, oh. um, then you could have a double brick house, yeah. which has got... Let two. me guess, two bricks? <laughs> okay. But in, in the analogy of the epithelium, this is called stratified. So, there's multiple or multi-laminar. Yeah. Okay. Multi-laminar. All right. And so, so, yeah. so, based on that category, when you look at epithelial tissue, so these, remember, going back to where you'd... Where you would expect to find this, this would be lining surfaces, so particular ho- particularly hollow organs. Yeah. On the inner part of that organ, you would f- expect to find epithelial tissue. Okay. And so when you look down the microscope at this particular tissue, it's it's either going to be a single cell, thick mm-hmm. or simple, okay, or two or more okay. thickness, and so, that's stratified. All right. So. If we so considering now that we know where epithelia is located, um, would you say that it's there? So it's going to have a number of functions, right? So it plays a role in physical protection. Am I correct? Yep. So it's going to be the thing that is most exposed to the environment, whether that be the internal environment of our digestive system, or or you know ureter or bladder, or the external environment of the well, external environment. Right. So, it's the it's the one that's there for the first layer of defense protection-wise. Yeah, so the skin's easy to get your head around, right? Because mm. every part of your skin has, and we've done this as a podcast, but it's got 20-odd layer thickness. So what would this be called? 20 layers thick of epithelial? It would be stratified tissue. Ah, stratified. Okay. So you. all the outer part of your body is stratified epithelium, which mm-hmm. is your epidermis, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you have to open your mouth, Michael, Okay, now your mouth is open to the outside world now. Oh. Okay, now if I, all right, don't do that. If no, I put, put a, uh, I don't know, like a something. M and M. Sure. If I put that in, good, and it doesn't digest, and you swallow it, oh, no, it'll and digest. it and it goes through all these eight meters of GIT tract, it will pop back out your rectum. Yeah. And it's so it's technically still the outside world. My rectum but, is the outside world. Yeah, and your mouth is. But, Excuse me. But all that tube is as well. Okay. In between. Yeah. So from mouth to anus. Mouth, mouth to anus. So um, that M M&M, and M, let's say, hasn't broken down, hasn't been absorbed. Yeah. It's constantly touched. I'll have to eat it again. <laughs> it's constantly touched. Epithelial cells. Okay. Okay. All so right. that that entire lining all the way through your gut, from mouth to anus, is epithelium. Okay. Let's stop saying mouth to anus now. And talk about its selective permeability. So, substances need to enter and leave the body through the epithelia, right? So, it's basically the gatekeeper to this process. And we'll let certain things in and certain things out. Mm-hmm. Um, any further elaboration there or are you happy with... Um, well, like we, we say in biology quite frequently, form equals function. Yeah. And so, depending on how its, its structure is based is essentially what it will do. All right, so if we had... So, you told us that epithelia can come in layers. Yes. Um, so, in that sense, would a single layer be more permeable than a... What did you call the multi-layers? Stratified. Stratified layers. Yeah, it would make... To me, it would make a lot more sense if a single layer is probably more about um, things passing through it or absorbing into it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and the, and therefore, would you say the one that's got the most layers, understandably, like there the stratified there's more for physical protection. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now the the bricks or the cells in this case, can they be of varying sizes? Um, sizes and shapes. Yeah. Okay. And so this is the this is this is the next classification of epithelium. So if you were to look down again through the microscope down into a single cell level you would, and at epithelium, so once you've established if it's single-layered or multi-layered, you would then look at how the appearance is. And if it looked like it's flat, like it's been run over by a truck, squished, it's going to be called squamous. Squamous, squished. Yes. Okay. And squamous epithelium. Then you have ones that are shaped like a square or a box or a cube. Yeah. And you call that cuboidal. Okay, that makes sense. And then you have ones that are shaped like rectangles or columns. Yeah. And that's columnar. Okay. And this is the that's the second form of classification. So you could have simple columnar, simple um, cuboidal, simple squamous, or then, stratified uh-huh. squamous. Okay. So in saying that, you said form equals function for epithelia. So does that mean 
depending on if you look down the microscope, if one was simple squamous compared to another epitheliotype, which may be stratified cuboidal, or even just stratified squamous, hmm. um, would that tell you anything about its function? What would you infer from that? Well, like you said, if you if you got like a stratified, it's, there's many layers there, so it's going to be difficult for anything to pass from the top all the way to the bottom. Yeah. So it's probably there based on as a protection. So um, skin is a good example, but if you want to say look in your in your mouth or your esophagus, mm. um, because you're swallowing things that potentially is abrasive, you want to protect your GIT your gastrointestinal tract from potentially harmful So, abrasion. stratified squamous is there for protection and simple squamous is there for what? All right. So, simple? Yeah, simple, simple squamous. Simple squamous, yeah. So, so this is as, as thin as the cell can be and as fewer cells as the cell right. can be. So Why this would, would you want this? This isn't going to stop anything from getting through. Yeah. So, this would be more for things to allow materials to pass through or be useful in, say, filtering or absorption. And so, a good example would be down at your lung level, right at the alveoles. So, this is the place where you want oxygen to go into your blood and carbon dioxide to come out of the blood and go back into your uh, alveoles. Yeah. So, for that gas exchange to happen, you don't want to have to go through many, many layers of... You want a thin membrane. You want a very thin membrane. And that's simple squamous. That's simple squamous. Okay. So, what if you had simple cuboidal or simple columnar, that's telling you that, okay, it's not really there for protection, but it's thicker than squamous. Mm. So, is that telling you something? It, is it? My assumption is squamous cells are thin because they don't have too much intracellular organelles present, right? Seem to make sense. Yeah. Okay, so does that mean that the, the uh, cuboidal and columnar, even though it's single-celled or single-layered, I should say, does have all these organelles, and they might be using them? Yeah, so it might... A good example of a simple cuboidal is in the tubules of your kidney. Yeah. Now, so you, this is where we reabsorb and excrete stuff? Uh, this is where you reabsorb, that's right. So okay. you might... If you remember back to the kidney, the nephron... Do we do one on just the nephron? Yeah, I called him Zach Nephron. Okay. So remember, nephron back line. to that, if we remember the start of the nephron... You have that kind of Bowman's capsule and the glomerulus. Yeah. That would be probably lined with simple squamous. Okay. Okay. And because it, it allows filtration t- to occur. Remember the filtration slit? So you have kind of one layer of a, th- a, th- a very thin one layer, and then you have the potocyte, which is a, a foot process, and then the basal lamina, right? And so the certain molecules of particular size can squeeze their way through these kind of filtration slits, right? But you've kind of dropped all the things out of your blood that's small enough to get into the start of the nephron, yeah? Now, the rest of the nephron is about moving um, crap into the blood. That's right. Moving crap that you don't want anymore to stay in the tubule and you you pee it out, but pulling all the good stuff across. Back okay. into the blood. Back into the blood. So they need to move through cells, epithelial right. cells. And so this is what, um, so your nephron, your tubules, if you remember the proximal, the loop of Henle, all that stuff, right? Uh, it has lots of um, carriers and channels on it, and it can move things across. And as so it is this simple cuboidal? Cuboidal, more, more cuboidal. cuboidal. So, it's, it, so it's for transportation. Across the cell itself. Yeah, it can be for secretion. So, remember, your kidneys can still secrete things out, but also okay. absorb. Yeah. But then if you want to have a look at the simple columnar, mm. so this is... So, they're bigger. So, they're going to have bigger. more internal processes happening. Yeah. So, and maybe they're producing something themselves to be released. Could be. And they might have additional um, membranous projections on them. Okay which in, enhances the surface area. So, uh, on now, with the epithelium, you've got two surfaces. You've got what we call an apical and a basal surface. Now, all epithelium will sit on a basal lamina or so a basal basement like membrane. Basement. Basement, yeah. So, it sits on the basement. Yeah. The apical faces the surface that you're trying to line or faces protect. Faces the environment. Yeah. And so, the columnar... At the top, the apical surface, 
every cell has a membrane, right? Now, the surface of some of these columna are got they got really small little finger projections. What are they called? They're, they're called villi. Okay. And they can have little things on top of them, which is microvilli. Yeah, okay. But that's essentially just increasing the amount of membrane to what it's exposed to. To enhance either bringing something in or pushing yeah. something out. So that's to enhance absorption. Okay. And so you would find a lot of these types of epithelium lining your gut. Ah. Particularly, because where in your gut do you do most of your absorption? Uh, f- for your macronutrients that have now been turned to micronutrients, it's going to be the small intestines. Yeah, so a lot of your small intestine has these columnar cells, mm. okay, with little villi projections. Okay. And so that's form, so its function is absorption. Cool. Compare that to the stomach, okay. The stomach's probably more uh, cuboidal, and it's got gastric pits and so forth, so it's more secretory gotcha. than absorptive. All right. Okay. And you compare that a bit further, your esophagus, what's your esophagus do as a function? It's going to like smush things up and move it from proximal to distal areas. Yeah, it's really got it's no a function but a conduit. Movement. Right. But because you're chucking things down that could be poorly um, chewed... I could scrape the edges scrape of the esophagus. So, so it's going to form have, function. So, so it's going to be stratified. I know that. Yeah, that's right. Um, and if it's cells that doesn't really care about, probably squamous, maybe a bit of cuboidal. Yeah, but it's basically going to be stratified squamous. Now, okay. while we're on to the stratified squamous, yeah. there's two types. There's ones that are waterproof. Yeah. And that's like your skin. And there's ones that you don't need to waterproof because it's probably exposed to water all the time. So why? So what makes one waterproof and the other one not? Okay, it's the protein that they add to it. So who's what's, they? What's the pro? The cells there. <laughs> <laughs> so when you come back to the skin, yeah. What was? What's the main protein that's produced in your skin? Keratin. Keratin. It's keratinized. Yes. Is so it the same protein. That's the same protein. Gotcha. So you have some stratified squamous mm. which has keratin in it, like your skin. Yeah. So, it's what we call keratinized stratified squamous. Yeah. And that's a waterproof barrier now. Yeah. As your skin is. Okay. Compare that to your esophagus, which has always got mucus and water there. Okay. It's usually considered non-keratinized. So, what's this I hear about pseudo-stratified then? Okay. So, this is the last, well, second last type of epithelium, then we'll leave epithelium. Yeah. Pseudo just means, uh, so if you hear the term pseudoscience, what does that usually generally mean? Uh, it usually means things like homeopathy. <laughs> no, not categorized. Oh, sorry. It means fake science. Yeah, or yeah. appears like. Yeah. Like a pseudo doctor or something like that. They pretend to be a doctor, but they're not really. Like me. <laughs> now, so that is the pseudo stratified. So what yeah. do you reckon that means? Uh, it means, uh, well, it looks like it's uh, many layers, but it's not. Right, so this is exactly what pseudostratified is. It's uh, it it looks like it's got multiple layers thick, but just it's usually called pseudostratified columnar epithelium. So columnar pseudostratified many layers columnar, so long and shaped like a column yeah. epithelia. So one so of the why, ways. Why do we have this? Okay. You said form equals function. It sounds silly to have. Okay, one. That's a good question. I don't actually. Can't think of them top of my head. But anyway, let me just answer this first point, um, which wasn't really a question, but I'll answer it anyway. <laughs> right, when you look answer at the un- when you, question. When you look at tissue mm. or cells, one of the stains that they con- they commonly use is something called H and E and which H and H and E. H and Hemoxis and Eosin. And basically it stains the cytoplasm pink and the nucleus purple. Okay. And usually by the nucleus, you can see, um, when you look at a, a tissue, you can see how many layers it is based on the purple nuclei. How? Because you'll see, like, uh, let's say you look at a group of cells, you'll see a nuclei, then a nuclei, a nuclei. Oh, I see. The and you can see this has got multiple layers, so this must be stratified, right? Yeah. If you look at, say, alveoli, it's just got one nuclei, oh, and gotcha. you'd say it's simple. Gotcha. Now, when you look at pseudostratified, yeah. it's got looks like it's got a couple on top of each other, yeah. but it's kind of pushed, squished in yeah. at, at weird angles. Gotcha. So instead of nice columns, it's kind of 
triangles in a way, and it sometimes looks like there's two layers. Yeah. But it's now not. the reason why. So I know the reason why. Okay. Um, it's because it's it's for tissue that's often going to be squished and distended and 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 basically resist forces from multiple different angles. Um, okay. So. Because if you think about certain cell types that are packed in one particular way, they may be resistive to compressive forces, but maybe not stretching forces. And so when something is pseudostratified, it is built in such a way in which, for example, the bladder needs to distend and and basically relax depending on how much fluid is in it. Uh, it's lined with epithelia, which means the epithelia is going to distend and also go back to a, an empty bladder size and so these cell types need to be able to move and go with the flow without being destroyed however yes the bladder is considered transitional but true <laughs> no, so you okay, confused there wrong. Wrong. A, a classic example of a pseudostratified columnar is your airway particularly trachea I'm wrong okay I'm 100% wrong so what you just said was specifically entirely for incorrect. It was specifically for transitional. Okay. Oh well, you hear it for the first time, guys. Michael is admitting that he was wrong. Let me just clarify, everyone, that the bladder is transitional, and the transitional means it's got a mixture between uh, squamous, cuboidal, and also columnar, and that's because of the reason to uh, resist distensive forces. Um, the pseudostratified yeah why is it do you know columnar epithelia that's often ciliated yeah um i don't know why that's the case so cilia is different to villi cilia 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 have motor units that move things around they're, they're more like the eyelashes yeah. like little bits of hair and that helps to push so if you think of your airway it's mucus so it's got mucus. Mucus. It's mucus. Don't think it's a word. <laughs> I made it up. Now, so its apical surface has got a whole lot of mucus, but its cilia sticks out. So when you inhale things, potentially you shouldn't, like bits of dust or particles in the air, it can get stuck in the mucus and the cilia brush it back out up to your throat. Okay. So that's the pseudostratified uh, columnar epithelium. Michael actually already spoke about transitional, but yeah, I was going to so. get to that, but. A good so transition is a good one because if you think about it like your bladder is empty, okay, so there's not any urine in it. If you look at your bladder wall there, which was in the inner inner part where the urine would sit, the cell type would look like it's stratified and probably cuboidal. Mm. Okay. But as you fill it up and it stretches, like Mike said, uh it would stretch out and become more like um squamous cells. Yeah. But it has the ability to go to distend, descend, bunch, stretch, okay. pull up. All right, that's epith- Now, the last thing I want to sort of say about epithelia is that out of all these tissues, it's probably one of the only ones, maybe that doesn't have a blood dedicated blood supply to it. It's avascular. Yeah, so it probably gets it through d- diffusion. So it's saying that all the blood vessels are in the underlying tissue which yep. often is connective tissue that sits which, under epithelium. Which is going to talk about now, right? Which we're going to talk about now. Um, so, so the epithelium gets its nutrients then from what you said, diffusion. All the nutrients and gases diffuse out and go to the tissue, uh, go to the epithelial cells to yep. nourish it. Now, just before you move on, we did say that uh, epithelium is usually as a barrier or a surface, but there are some glandular examples, and this is also epithelial. And so these... Ducts or glands can be broken into simple or compound. And these, are, I won't go into the detail, but basically these are things like um, sweat glands or mammary glands or sebaceous glands, and they're actually producing a substance like milk, like oil, like fluidly sweat. Okay, fluidy sweat. Fluidy sweat. Or how would you categorize sweat? Water with a bit of salt? Yeah, there you go. All okay, right. so that's epithelial done. Epithelial so done. So, moving across to connective. Yeah, let's do connective. All right, let me guide the connective discussion. Connective tissue. Like you did for transitional. <laughs> yeah, well, try not to get this one wrong. Got us into a black hole. Well, c- connective tissue is there to connect. Uh, basically, its function is to bind, it supports, it protects other tissues and organs. Um, it's composed of cells, gels, and fibers. 
That's how I like to think of it. Cells, gels, and fibers. Multiple cell types, gels, and fibers. The way I like to think about it is like a bowl of jelly. When you make some jelly, that's the gel itself. And if you were to put things in that jelly, like, I don't know, rubber bands, metal rods, whatever it Who are you making be. this jelly for? <laughs> People who I want to harm. Your colleagues. If, yeah. Actually, I brought some jelly in, Matt, on a separate note. Would you like to... So, now, what, so are the, what are the cells then, like M&Ms and... M&Ms. Jelly beans. Jelly beans. So, they're the cells. Um, okay. The gel is going to be the, the jelly itself. And like I said, the fibers will be things like rubber bands, metal rods, bits of cotton and so forth. Now, I want you to think about it. If you just had the jelly with none of these other things in, other it. Things in it and you to shake the plate, it's going to wibble and wobble all over the place. And if you give it enough shaking, it's going to fall apart. But... You can do this experiment at home. Make the jelly, form it with all those things put into it. It's going to be far more resist resistive to the movement. And this is basically connective tissue. Depending on what the connective tissue does and what it's trying to resist or what it's trying to bind up depends on its components. So, for example... Um, can I stop you for one second? Yeah, please. Does that mean the cells in it... Mm -hmm partake in creating these things? That's right. Okay. Yeah, so the cells themselves produce these substances. Does okay. that make sense? So if you think about... I'm just trying to think of an example. What's what's a connective tissue that's really blubbery? Like fat. Okay. And so fat, mm. its cell in the fat tissue is a fat cell, which is yep. an adipocyte, is that right? That's right. And it's predominantly just filled with what? Fat. <laughs> it's filled with oil. Okay. Right? That's, a, that's a lipid. Yeah. Okay. And does it have any fibers in it? Not inside of the cell itself, no. But okay. surrounding it in the extracellular matrix, there would be. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So, this is the thing. Um, do you want to start with the cells? Should we, should we oh, start you, talking about the cells? You, you drive it. Okay. So... Um, de depending on what the connective tissue does, it's going to have different types of cells associated with it. Now, the thing is that connective tissue, there's multiple different types. You've got tendons, ligaments, fat, bone, blood, and cartilage. They're all connective tissue. Okay. This is the thing. If you, were just, if you were to compare blood, for example, with bone, you would not think they're anything like each other. No. Right? One's a liquid, one's a solid. So that means connective... So blood is a tissue. Yeah, it's connective tissue. Wow. And this is the thing that what makes blood and bone the same, if when you look at them, they're totally different, they're made up of cells, gels, and fibers. And it's all got to do with the, the consistency and composition. So, for example... Where's the fibers in blood? So, when you look at the fibers themselves, the fibers are going to be three major fiber types. I wouldn't worry too much about the cells, in all honesty. The cell types are going to be things like adipocytes, like Matt spoke about, their fat cells, fibroblasts. Um, they're a big one. They're probably the most uh, important when it comes to uh, connective tissue. Uh, mesenchymal cells, they're very important for uh, connective tissue. And then things called fixed macrophages. Um, or the blood cells. Or the blood cells. And mast cells, for example, plasma cells, leukocytes. Anyway, so the fibers are important because it's predominantly the fibers that change the consistency of the connective tissue. And like yep. I said, three types, elastic, collagen, and reticular. Now, the elastic fiber makes sense. The more elastic fiber, the more stretchy the so tissue is. this is the rubber band? This is the rubber band. So, yeah, with the gel... Or the jelly, this is the rubber band inside. The more elastic fibers, the more stretchy this tissue is. Can you give an example of a cell that's got, or a tissue that's very elastic-like? A tissue that's elastic-like? Um, let me try and think. Would you potentially... I don't know. What would you think would have more elastic tissue in it? Well, you've got elastic... Um Your airways are extremely elasticized. Well, you've got elastic um, cartilage... But, uh, yeah, so the ear, for example, is elastic cartilage, right? And that, that, that is, especially by the name, filled with elastic fibers, right? So elastic cartilage has huge amounts of elastic fibers in it. If you look at um, fibrocartilage, yep. for example, it's got huge amounts of collagen fibers in it. Um, so elastic, elastic cartilage is, like you said, in your ear. So if you pull in your earlobe... 
and then you let go, it kind of bounces back to its original shape. That's right. I believe also your epiglottis is uh, elastic cartilage, so it's kind of this particular way to move up and down to either keep your airways open or closed. It can resist deformity. Yeah. Snap back to its original shape. Um, so elastic tissue, again, is elastic. Collagen, now, when, when you chew on a steak and you get that white stuff that's really hard to chew, that's predominantly collagen. Um, and so collagen's very hard. They're like the steel rods of connective tissue. Right. And so the harder something's going to be, the more collagen fibers are present. So fibrocartilage, for example... This is the type of cartilage that sits between each one of your vertebral bodies and resists very strong compressive forces filled with collagen fibers. And then you've got the reticular fibers. And the reticular fibers, reticular means network, and it's sort of like having feathers placed in to this jelly. Um, You may think, why would I want reticular fibers? Well, these... The tissue that has the most abundant amount of reticular fibers are those capsules that tend to surround organs. And these need to be able to resist forces from multiple directions. And so this is twisting and pulling and stretching and so forth. And because of reticular fibers, these networks, they allow for, again, these resist resistive forces. Does that make sense? Yep. This and so, and that's also found in the spleen, right? So yeah. part of that's function is to trap things in it or force at least say blood vessels through this difficult dense arrangement and if they can squeeze through and make their way through then they're considered to be um, flexible enough Mm -hmm. to continue to be um, red blood cells but if they get stuck in this network of reticular formation Mm. then the macrophages also like it there will kind of eat up the red blood cell and recycle it and you Start with a new one. That's absolutely right. And the, it's also the way that these fibers are laid down, the patterns of these fibers depend on the function as well. So if you have the collagen fibers and you lay them down on top of each other, like you're stacking plates, mm-hmm. this is called regular or dense regular connective tissue. And this basically forms tendons and ligaments, right? And it's because bit, it's in one direction, it resists force in one particular right. direction. So, s- stretching forces, for example. You can put the collagen down uh, in just like a random sort of fashion. So, end-to-end, on top of each other, perpendicular, oblique. Um, and this is called dense irregular connective tissue. And you'd use this, again, this is going to be surrounding organ capsules to resist forces from multiple directions. Um, very strong. And okay. the elastic, another example of elastic connective tissue is that found in your arteries, your large arteries, right? Like your aorta. Oh, because of re- Super recoil. Stretching. Yeah. You want it to recoil and go in, go out. Exactly right. Um, so these are the different types of fibers. We spoke very briefly about the cells, but when we talk about the gels, this is what we term ground substance. And ground substance... Basically, it's a non-cellular material. It's produced by the connective tissue cells. So those fibroblasts, those mesenchyme cells, you know, all those cells we mentioned just briefly before, they produce a ground substance um, that all those fibers reside in. And there's different types like gags, glycosaminoglycans, for example. Um, this so, is that, so that will be found in, in, in cartilage, and that's why yes. they give, or well, they think giving people like glucosamine... Can, can help regenerate cartilage. And it, but it doesn't. So, there you go. So, um, yeah. Oh, anything so, else? So, just to sum, all, sum up connective tissue. Yeah. Uh, as a group, they... So, it's a, it's a tissue type that in common has cells in it. Yeah. Uh, it has a ground or has a fluid-like substance in it. Yeah. And it general. has fibers associated with it. Yes. And depending on... Those three things and their abundance and their arrangement will det- determine what the connective tissue looks like and therefore its function. That's that right. right. Yep. So if you think of blood, blood's uh, fluid is kind of plasma. Yep. It doesn't really have much fibers in it, but no. it's got a whole lot of different cells being red blood cells, white blood cells. Is yep. that fair? 100%. Okay. You compare that to, oh, we didn't really talk about this, bone. No, but okay. we've done a whole. Oh, yeah, okay. bone. But think about bone. It would have a ground substance 
and it sells as an osteoblast osteoclast osteocyte yeah and depend and it ha- its fibers is a type of collagen arranged yes. in certain patterning mm-hmm. like um cross members yeah and then a type of matrix is laid down which is kind of a uh, calcium phosphate based um salt let's That's say right. and that gives the strength in certain way so yep. it's am i right by this compress co- its compressibility is strong but it's kind of if you were to bend it the other way it's not necessarily as strong that's right compare it to cartilage cartilage um is more of a denser fluid gel mm. okay with cells in it which is usually going to be a chondrocyte and that lays down the cells but also lays down the fibers and those three different types of fibers will give you a hyaline elastic fibro yeah and they differ in their density so elastic is more elastic like like your ear or your epiglottis you have hyaline cartilage which you might find at the end of the bones so that's Most your abundant ar- type of cartilage that's like articulate cartilage at the end of the long bones or say your ribs yeah so they have a, f- a certain function to protect resist, resist and then you have fibro cartilage which you could find say between your vertebra or between your pubis synthesis things yep. like that which are very um compressive like that's not a word yeah, resist compressive <laughs> forces and then you go to the loose versus the dense and you spoke about the dense being regular dense regular is like um collagen so this fo- this in this on top of in this type you could have the cell type being fibroblasts or um I don't know what's tendon or ligament is that still yeah, fibroblast? Uh, yeah, fibroblast. Okay, and they they just lay down heaps and heaps of collagen. Yeah, which is like steel, actually stronger than steel, I think, for its propor- proportionally. And so this will give you things like ligaments, tendons, which give you a huge amount of strength in a certain plane. So that's right. If you're trying to if you try to rip a bone apart, it would be the ligaments that are holding that to be pulled apart. Mm-hmm. Opposed to, say, Muscles. a joint capsule, which would be more irregular because yeah. it's going all different patterns. Um, or a tendon, which is still back into the regular, which stops um, muscles ripping off bone because mm. a tendon is stopping... or Sorry, a tendon is muscle to bone opposed to a ligament link, which is bone to bone. Yeah. And then your other uh, loose connective is your adipose, which we spoke about, fat uh, and reticular. Yeah. That's about everything, right? Sounds good. All right. Uh, let's briefly touch upon muscles and nervous and then we'll finish up. Well, since you just spoke about connected, let me do muscles and then you can finish with nervous. Okay. So, muscle, t- mus- muscular tissue is basically, um, its purpose is for movement. Okay. So, as I've, as we've said, we've done a whole podcast on this, so I'm not going to go into huge detail. But, its its function is to move bones. So, that's a skeletal it's to move blood, which is heart or cardiac muscle, or to move kind of hollow organs, which is smooth muscle. Perfect. Okay. So, the the um, similarities here is it has kind of contractile-like proteins within it, generally um, uh, made up of things like sarcomeres with actin and mycin. And for their ability to pull on each other is what gives this cell type its ability to shorten and lengthen. Yeah. Okay? Now, the main difference between the three, so we have skeletal, cardiac, and smooth. So, when you look at, say, skeletal and cardiac, they've got another term. Again, you would need to look through a microscope to see this. Are those lines that you see? They have these lines which makes it look striped. Yep, striated. striated. Okay. Whereas smooth doesn't have these lines. No, hence it being called smooth, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, that's the first main difference between the three. Okay. So, two of them have a striation, one doesn't. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of how the cells appear, uh, skeletals are generally long, parallel, column-like. Okay. So, when they contract, they contract in kind of one plane. Mm-hmm. Okay, whereas you look at smooth, and they are kind of more spindle-shaped. Yeah. How do you? What, what do you kind of shaped like an eye? Okay. 
You like tape it on either end. T- okay, so wider in the middle. When it kind of lengthens and shortens, it flattens out, but then it bunches up as a. That's right. More of a bigger, bulkier in the middle. In the middle. Yeah. And then you have cardiac. It's important for peristalsis and moving things around. Right. And when you look at cardiac muscle, this is kind of a branched-like appearance, and they are kind of fixed to their neighbour, which mm. is another muscle, mm. by these tight junctions or inter collated discs. And Which then allows one muscle cell, or should I say multiple muscle cells, to act as though it's one muscle cell. Right. Because it listens to what all of them say, well, it, what their neighbours say, and just does what they say. Yeah, so this disc stops them ripping apart from each other, but it also has gap junctions which allow the movement of ions through it, which, as you said, allows each muscle to almost contract in unison. Mm. And that's what you want with your heart. You want your heart to contract as a nice... It's called a syncytium. Okay. Good term. So is that muscles? Almost. The other thing is, uh, this could be a question to you, Michael. Uh, In skeletal muscles, if you look down the microscope, you'll see heaps of those... Lines? Purple dots. Remember I said there's pink and purple? If you do that stain, you said. Yeah, and that's uh, nuclei. Yeah. So, in particularly in skeletal muscles, you see tons and tons per kind of cell of um, nucleus, okay. nuclei. Yeah. Okay. Opposed to smooth and um, cardiac, which generally only has one single nucleus in the middle. Okay. Okay. Now, why do you think a cell would need to be multinucleated? Well, the nucleus holds the DNA, and the DNA is there to be able to be read and translated into proteins. Um, so I'd assume it's to lay down more actin, myosin, proteins over time. Yeah, and so how would that allow its function to be different to the other two? What, well, what skele- can skeletal do that the other two Skeletal muscles significantly uh, responds to resistive forces by hypertrophying, so making the individual cell larger. Yep. Uh, it doesn't create more of its cells, but it makes the same cell bigger. So that requires the the nucleus or the DNA of a cell to be activated, switched on, turn genes into proteins, and lay those proteins down to further hypertrophy mm-hmm. the cell. Is that correct? Yeah, so skeletal muscle has the ability to be able to repair damage yeah. and to grow in size. So if you go to the gym and do certain resistive movements... Oh, thank you for noticing. ...particularly in, um, a, in, in, in a manner of lengthening. So actual, when you do a, uh, a muscle... Let's say a bicep curl, right? Okay. So everyone knows what a bicep curl looks, right? Do yes, I, but you're showing me I, one, and I don't think you've actually or ever I, done one before. Should, I, should we explain it? You, you explain. Everyone it knows a bicep curl. So you hold yeah. a heavy weight. Everyone knows a bicep in a outstretched hand. Yeah. And then you bring by bending yourself at everyone the elbow. Knows a yes, curl. I'm just going to do it anyway. As you bring your fist closer to your bicep, you're narrowing that joint off. Correct. Yeah. Okay. When you bring the hand up to the bicep. That's you con- always say bicep. Bicep. Um, you always end up with a T for some reason. <laughs> no. It's your patterning. You say bicep. Okay. You, as you bring it up and uh, narrow the joint, make yeah. the joint smaller, the bicep <laughs> is bad. contracting yeah. but shortening. Okay. Are you agreeing? Yeah. Okay. Now, when you let it back down to straighten, you're still contracting your bicep but it's but it's lengthening now the the in those two movements what's going to cause the damage or the micro well you'd think it would be the lengthening yeah so that's while a muscle's contracting so that's uh eccentric so that's the eccentric phase of a movement yep uh and the other's called a concentric concentric phase of the movement so you're saying that most of the muscle tearing leading to muscle growth occurs in the eccentric yeah, phase. Yeah, the lengthening phase. The lengthening phase. So you could do, if you just did arm curls and drop the weight at the top of the curl uh, at the end of the concentric part and then pick the weight back up again and just mm. did concentrics, you probably wouldn't get too much growth. You'd get muscular exhaustion, but you probably wouldn't stimulate the muscle to And grow. is this done at the gym? Those or, movements? No, but there's a lot of eccentric focusing done in the gym. Okay. All so right. there's a lot of overloading of weight and just focusing on the eccentric phase of movements. So controlling so for example, it going down. So it's not uncommon for me to be in the gym and pop on a huge amount of weight on the bench press, for example, 
and just do slow eccentric movements. So stop it chest. smashing into your chest. Just stop. Yeah, bring it, bring it down slow, and then get somebody to help you in the Push concentric up. phase. Okay. Yeah. All right. So this is a hugely long-winded thing to just explain Sorry why um, there's multiple. <laughs> yeah. So the take-home point here, which is actually functionally important mm. or pathologically important, is that skeletal muscle has the potential to regenerate, repair itself, and fix itself. Whereas if you had a heart attack, which you damaged the, the cardiac muscle, it can't do that. So it's not more, to the same degree. No. So it's more likely to have to repair the site, but but put connective tissue into it instead. Gotcha. And it becomes yeah. fibrotic. Yes. And so then, you, so after a heart attack, if you were to survive, your heart will have more fibrous tissue in it, can't contract as well. So it's likely to then develop something like heart failure. Gotcha. Okay. And then same with smooth muscle. Smooth muscles. Only got one single central, centrally placed nuclei in the middle, and so it again has a limited capacity to um, repair itself or regenerate. Cool. So that's the three muscle types. Great. Let's move on to nervous. Yeah, you take over now. All right. So nervous tissue located within the brain, spinal cord, and nerves, and it traverses all throughout the body. Consists of cells called neurons. These receive, transmit, they process the nerve impulses, and it has a number of other cells that are can be larger than neurons, but probably um, this to support the neurons more. So these are called glial cells. Glia actually means glue in Greek, and they're the cells that support the neurons. They don't transmit any nervous impulses, but instead they help protect, nourish, and support the neurons. Now each neuron itself has a body. This houses the nucleus and the organelles, and then it has one major branch component. This is called the axon. At the end of the axon, it has dendrites. It actually has dendrites on either end, uh, dendrites that are going to receive a signal, and then axon terminals on one end that send the signal to either the next neuron or to the tissue that it's speaking to. All right, that's a neuron. Um, and a- if you want more information... Listen to the podcast on nervous. Oh, yeah. Did heaps of... I think we did a couple uh, nervous system ones. And glia, like I said, are supporting cells, many different types. You know, you've got microglia, means small glia, satellite cells, epidermal cells that create cerebral spinal fluid. Uh, You've got um, oligodendrocytes and you've got Schwann cells. Stars. Uh, You've got astrocytes. How could you miss that? I know. But this is the tissue of nervous meaning nervous tissue. Okay. They're the four tissue types. Do we need to do any more? The only thing I want to say is that obviously an organ is going to be a structure that's composed of two or more tissue types that work together to perform specific complex functions. Okay? So, um, uh, the the key to organ structure is that the different tissue types must work together. So, if you look at the stomach, it contains all four tissue types. It's lined. So, so let's do it. Okay. From inside out. Lined by the epithelium. Which we did. And it, in its function, we know it's a barrier. Yep, so, so it's protective. So we know that in the stomach, what's the main purpose that you want your stomach to do? Uh, stomach is there for both chemical and mechanical digestion. Okay. So mechanical would tell you that you want movement. Yep. Chemical, you, it would sound like you need to have some chemicals released. Yes. Okay. So, what do we know the epithelium does? Okay, depending on the cell type, we know epithelium can protect, but it can also produce substances that can be secreted into Which that like hollow gl- lumen there. Like, such as glands. Okay, okay, so it's got glands made up by the epithelia, predominantly going to be cuboidal and columnar cells. Right, and so the function of the epithelium in your stomach is to do two things. Protect most of the stomach from getting digested. Yeah. And... Acid burns throughout it. Okay, so it's got a, a strong mucus that is alkaline and it protects the wall of it to get holes burnt into it. Yeah. But it also pr- produces some chemicals like hydrochloric acid right. and um, pepsinogen. Pepsinogen. And that helps to break down factor. protein. Okay, so yeah. there's your chemical production. But there's no absorption there, very, very limited. Yeah, okay. alcohol will be absorbed yeah. there. And maybe, because and maybe it's passed straight through. And yeah, potentially aspirin. So that's epithelia. Then like you said, at the, the every epithelia has an apical side open to the environment and a basal that, side that's... That's the acid or stomach acid, yep. Yep, and the basal side that sits on the basement 
And the basement is always going to be connective tissue. So epithelia always sits on connective tissue. So that means the next of the tissue types that we have here is connective tissue. And in the stomach, the type of connective tissue that we basically have is something called areola connective tissue. Which is loose connective tissue. That's right. It's got a bit of structure to it, but it's nowhere near as strong as, say, a dense connective tissue. No. And, and a dense connective tissue is present there as well. Okay. Where, what, what is that then? Is that on the outer part? De yeah, that's the dense irregular. That's where all the blood vessels and nerve fibers okay. are sitting. Um, so also in that mix, you're probably going to have a bit of fat and just for kind of sponginess yep. and um, the blood vessels, which is important for bringing blood to and from the stomach. Yes. Now the next layer. Yep. The next layer is going to be, what do you reckon, underneath the connective tissue? It's going to be the muscles. That's right. And now, so what, what are muscles for? Well, they're for... Uh, contracting and producing force for so movement. Movement. So in this case, you're not moving a bone mm. and you're not moving blood. So okay. it's not going to be hard and so it's, it's not going to be smooth. Now in the stomach, you may know or may not, there's actually three layers of smooth muscle. Because you said that the heart needs to, uh, the, the stomach needs to move to help mechanically break things down, it needs to move in multiple directions. So you've actually got this muscle, basically it's like laying down bricks Going in one direction. What's with you in bricks? Yeah. Look, we're talking about <laughs> building things. It's like laying bricks down in one direction, then laying bricks on top of that in another direction, then laying bricks on top of that in the diagonal direction. You've got three different directions of the bricks laid down. And if these bricks could contract like muscles, they would contract in different directions. Okay, I extended the analogy too far. But still, I think the point was put well. Do you agree? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and then underneath that. Okay, so as you're moving further out. There's not much. But we, did we say no. nervous tissue in with the oh, connective so there's tissue? There's going to be some nerves in there to help the muscles move as well. Yes. And to probably tell some of the other things to be working. Yep. Okay, and take afferent or uh, sensory information away from the stomach. So if you have stomach ulcers, you'll know that it's an ulcer there because you've got pain. Yeah. Okay. And then finally... You've got the outer layer, which is the serosa. Which is more connective tissue. Yeah, and also epithelium. Yeah. It's like a myo-epithelium, well, like it? myo yeah. Because no. this, is, this is the same kind of epithelium that goes around, say, the pleura. And this is um, mesothelium. So, you've gotcha. heard of mesothelioma. Yes. So, this is the kind of same kind of thing. It's an epithelium that lines, but it produces a kind of a uh, viscous... Um, lubricating substance, yeah. so that would help produce perit peritoneal fluid yeah, okay. and help all your guts um, move on each other without causing friction because that would give you a stitch-like yes. pain. Yes. Or in your pleura, that's the tissue that causes pleurisy. All right. Mm. Brilliant. All right. That was... So, uh, how long was that? 55 minutes. Jesus. Who thought we could talk about... We would try and do that in minutes. 20 minutes. Yeah, sorry about that, everyone. But Matt wouldn't shut up about epithelia. <laughs> yes. All right, so that's it for the four tissue types. Yes. Um, Any idea what we might be moving on to next, Matt? Yeah, in February. Moving yep. into February. We're yeah. going to be covering things like nausea, vomiting. Nice. Um, hunger. Good. And the physiology of vomiting. Oh, very good. Okay. Slash nausea. Sounds wonderful. Do you want to do any final housekeeping? Yes, everyone, um, you can contact us. You can send us an email at, at uh, no, what is it? Gubiosciences at gmail.com. Uh, thank you for those who have sent us an email. I need to get back to you as soon as possible. Um, we also have our own Twitter account. I'm at Mikey Todd at M-I-C- M-I-K-E-Y-T-O-D, I think. And Matt is at Dr. Bartox, D-R-B-A-R-T-O-X. I now have an Instagram page, which I put up three to five minute videos on all this stuff. So if you have Instagram, please type in at Dr. Mike Todorovic, Dr. Bean, D-R, Mike, M-I-K-E, Todorovic, T-O-D-O-R-O-V-I-C, and all, that's all one word, lowercase, and what you'll find is the Instagram page, Dr. Mike Todorovic. 
I put up videos on emphysema, I put up videos on heart failure, I put up videos on basic anatomy and physiology, and then I go into more detail with pathology and pathophysiology and pharmacology. You can even send me little messages and tell me, hey, can you do a video on this? And I'll go, great idea, you're a legend. <laughs> so thank you, everyone. We we'll love see you, you in February. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.